Hello and welcome to X-Tumblr Girls, a podcast hosted by two X-Tumblr girls turned modern Tumblr women. I'm your host, Tori. I'm your host, Carly. Let's talk about Tumblr. I honestly don't know that we've ever started an episode not by going, hey. I mean, how else are we supposed to start? It's a greeting. I know. I know. We could theoretically jump right in. Yeah. <laughs> I just think we could say it because that that's like an old joke that, that we had when we- That is such a deep cut joke for us yeah. that would take so long. Well, I guess it probably wouldn't take that long <laughs> to explain. It's the letters typed in the wrong order. <laughs> yeah. Back when we were in our Skype days our and Skype we would era. Skype every single day. That was that crazy That was truly the basis of our friendship was like, yeah. I get home from school at 2.45. You get home from school at like 2.00. 250 we yeah. both grab a snack and sit our asses down at our laptop and then sit and do either homework or tumblr or write our book which is the topic of a future <laughs> podcast because it has a lot to unpack yeah and we, we would just sometimes we talked and sometimes we sat in dead silence until like 6 p.m when we had to go eat dinner with our families yeah yeah and then we'd hop back on sometimes <laughs> yeah after dinner to do more tumblr and then when we would hang out in person our hangouts weren't really all that different (laughs) because you would sit on your family's imac to blog and i would sit on the floor on my laptop to blog (laughs) yeah (laughs) it was the good days it really was it was just simple we were just we were bodily body doubling before everybody knew what body doubling was yeah I think you should tell our listeners about the three or, or is it, I guess it's four, the four-year-old joke in the making. Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> okay. So um, for my 19th birthday, uh, yeah, I guess it would have been my 19th. Carly gave me a really cute gift that was like this cute little decorative box um, that had some stuff in it and it had this stack of letters and I feel like people have probably seen before those things where you give people a series of letters and yeah. on the envelope, it says when to open them. And, you know, there's like open when you're so happy, open when you're feeling lonely, open when this happens, when you're heartbroken. And there was one that said open when you miss me. And I truly have been selective <laughs> about <laughs> opening these envelopes because I tend to forget that I have them. And so since 2019, I literally think I've opened three of them and there's like seven um because every time I find them I'm like I don't want to open them it's the wrong time like I have to wait until it's the right time but I was looking at them and I was like oh I do miss Carly I'm gonna open the one that says open when you miss me (laughs) and I ripped it open and I opened the like fold up papers and it is a a printed out page of the wiki how on how to make a phone call (laughs) And printed out directions from my college to her college. And I actually like cackled out loud and I immediately called her and I was like, your letter yeah. said 
you followed the directions i literally it was but i was laughing my fucking ass off that it just said how to make a phone call (laughs) i thought it was going to be some sincere letter about like (laughs) our friendship and the distance and and it was just how to make a phone call (laughs) and i didn't remember doing this but and i'm proud of myself It was so good because obviously I immediately called Carly and I told her, I was like, I just opened the letter and she was like, I don't remember what's in that. (laughs) And I was like, it's so good. So a four-year-old joke, a more than four-year-old joke. Yeah. um, Finally, given its giggles, (laughs) um, which, oh God, just so good. The way that things go on for so long. Yeah. Yeah. I still have several more to open, but I'm going to put them somewhere that I can see them so that I will open them this year. (laughs) And then maybe next year for my birthday, you can give me more so I can have four more years of jokes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'll have, I'll start brainstorming now. Yeah. I still haven't given you your, your birthday gift from this year, but But you showed me it and I'm so excited to have it. Yeah. Carly got me a really cute jewelry dish that is shaped like, uh, what is it, a cherry pie or a blueberry pie? I think it's a cherry pie. Yeah, the pie crust is like the lid. And I just, she knows how much I love trinkets and how much <laughs> I love dishes. I love jewelry dishes. I have so many around my room. Yeah. I, and I love gift giving. That is my love language. So Carly is <laughs> so good at gift giving to the point that it is actually hard to get her gifts because I know they're <laughs> never going to measure up in like thoughtfulness or sincerity or like perfect. You just you're so good at gift giving. Well, thank you. I mean, <laughs> I better be because the, I, I put so much effort into them. So like they, they got to turn out good. And I mean, this Christmas, you... I'm so broke. So all of my gifts are going to be super heartfelt because they're going to be handmade. <laughs> Honestly, I think handmade is like the theme of the year. I've been seeing so many TikTok videos about like the best handmade Christmas gifts. And I never searched for that. They kind of just came up and I was like, I like this. I like all the cute ideas that people have been posting. And I think a lot of years I tell myself I'm going to make some handmade stuff and then I don't leave enough time to make it. So you got to start now. Quality. Yeah. So I'm brainstorming now seeing I just brought a bunch of my art supplies back from Jersey to Philly um so that I can work on some I really would like to get back into crocheting and see how many things I can crochet Mm -hmm. before Christmas yeah I'm in my art era because I'm unemployed uh I have a still life set up right now that I've been painting which has been so fun um I only have one more day to finish the painting until I have to go home for Thanksgiving um but it's been so fun and I love painting I just what can I say I had a little watercoloring night with one of my friends the other night we like went out thrifting and then we came home and did some watercolor and I feel like art has often stressed me out because I work from I'll be like oh I want to paint this thing I saw on Pinterest and you can never get photorealism when you paint like three times a year so I was like I'm just gonna watercolor the mug that's sitting in front of me (laughs) because then I can actually pay attention to like the light and the shape and the and it was so much more calming and yeah 
I mean, it didn't turn out perfect, but I was significantly happier with it. Like just paying attention to the colors and everything. Yeah. I think drawing from life or painting from life is so much more rewarding um, than painting from a picture or at least like take a picture yourself and paint from that. Pinterest, I, I, we were just talking about this, how like Pinterest is, feels so mind numbing because it's like, you're scrolling through like dozens of pictures and it's just like every time I go on Pinterest I probably see like you know over 500 images maybe and then half of those are ads um so I'm I'm trying to cut down on my Pinterest use um because I don't actually find it to be like that inspiring and that's Mm. I go there for artistic inspiration Uh, but I don't really find that I really get that I mean it's so curated and like so I've been trying to use Pinterest less and I'm totally pro drawing from life and drawing like weird ugly things around your apartment (laughs) I like the other night I was laying in bed and I was like oh I I had the urge to draw but the I the concept of what should I draw is like the the biggest hurdle and so I just pulled out my sketchbook and like looked around my room and I was like oh I'm just gonna draw my phone and pay attention to the angle and the lines. And that was mm-hmm. so much more, like, it made me feel more present to yeah. be paying attention to a thing that's actually in front of me. I honestly feel like with Pinterest, it's gotten to a point where it's kind of only good if you're searching for something and you yeah. know exactly what to search for and then use the, like, related searches. But I I would say it's honestly more of, like, a shopping platform these days. Yeah. Because every single post you click it gives you suggested shopping links. Yeah. And so I feel like it's it's just turning it's really into annoying now. like who, what, where, or or um, what is that website called where people post the details of their outfit? Is it who, what, where, or is that a magazine? I don't know. The only thing I can think of is Polyvore and that's not Dude, it. Dude, real. <laughs> I miss Polyvore. Honestly, I do see posts on Pinterest a lot that are um, from Pinterest shuffles. Do you remember when that app mm-hmm. came out? And I was like all about it. Yeah. <laughs> I loved Pinterest shuffles, but now I've been um I've been testing out some new creative hobbies. Uh kind of just I talked about this in the self-care episode, but I've been working on trying to do more things privately that are just for like me and for my expressing of creativity. And um my friend Natalie and I have been talking for like literally over a year about making zines for each other and sending each other zines. And um, I never knew exactly how I wanted to do it because I want them to look like collage, but I don't have a scanner to like make a collage and then print. Um, So I finally made a template on Canva that actually works. And all this week I've just been designing one page zines that have like eight, that are one piece of paper, but they're eight pages. And it's so fun because Canva has so many like collage elements that I can just, and then I pull pictures from all over and I can have all the fun fonts and it's so fun. So I I feel like that has replaced the the hole that (laughs) deleting Pinterest shuffles from my phone left. But I will say a lot of posts on Pinterest that I see that are, outfits are from shuffles and it is very polyvore-esque yeah um polyvore 
walked so Pinterest shuffles could run. <laughs> oh my god, did you hear Omegle got shut down? I did. The yeah, world is better for it. <laughs> yeah, for real. Like I was not <laughs> upset at all. Like that's for the best. So many people were like, "Oh my god, like the golden era of the internet is over. Like my childhood has That was your childhood? I'm worried. <laughs> Go to therapy." <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I went on Omegle a few times, but bad, bad. It should not have been allowed on that website. (laughs) It's literally so bad. I used to go on it in middle school and you could like plug in an interest for those of you who weren't on Omegle. God bless you. Um, But it was like fun sometimes because like the YouTubers I watched would do a thing where like they would pick a really random interest tag and then you would flip through and you would try to see them and say hi to them Mm -hmm. and like that part of it was fun but then also they would post that tag on twitter and be like hey to my 13 year old fan everybody go on this omegle tag and then you were almost certain to be sexually harassed yeah yeah (laughs) yeah yeah i don't know what else to say I'm just thinking of that video of Trisha Paytas going, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh. <laughs> but like Tumblr, I mean, if you're on Tumblr, you've seen in recent days that there's another Tumblr is going to die scare. This, if you know, if you're new to Tumblr, which I don't think anybody's really new to Tumblr <laughs> anymore. <laughs> but if you're not on Tumblr... This happens like every few years when somebody new buys the app. Yeah, I mean, it's not like the platform is really functional right now. (laughs) Like my mobile app is it my God. Trying to post things to my queue is actually torture. (laughs) It's like I don't think that the mobile app is really functional at all. No. The desktop app is barely functional. Um, but I mean, I'm not, I'm not surprised that they're not making any money, which is their whole reason for, they put staff put out, um, this post just explaining that they're, you know, decreasing the amount of, um, engineers and designers working on it, which is surprising that they had any in the first place. Uh, (laughs) Period. So it's just going to be in like a maintenance mode unless it gets bought out but it probably won't and i don't think that would be a very sound financial decision for any company yeah and like it was they were saying in that announcement that it was like oh it's going to be a skeleton crew like there will only be people working on it to fix it when it's like broken and i was like okay so you need a full-time staff because it <laughs> fucking sucks like their ux is legitimately horrible um but like this came after that huge announcement, I think, that we talked about on here where they said they were going to, like, change the monetization and change, like, yeah. the reblog policy. And, like, they were going to be trying to pay influencers more with Tumblr Live. And, yeah. you know, actually, on that topic, there was a thought I had this week that I meant to bring up. Um, I know some episodes back I said that Tumblr had only two problems. It was that my email couldn't change and that they had made <laughs> porn illegal. And I just want to say that I actually take back both of those statements because my email thing has been solved and I want the porn gone. I'm tired of it. (laughs) It is every fifth post on my feed is a link to an OnlyFans with a fully nude photo. And I was like, this is not what I meant. And I would like to clarify 
that one, I was joking when I said that yeah. in the past. <laughs> and two, what I meant more was that like every woman should have the right to post her like artful, semi-nude like portraits. Yeah. Not that all of the Tumblr lives should be <laughs> sex yeah. lives. Yeah, personally, I go to Tumblr for like fandom web weaving yeah (laughs) not to see whole like just on the dash like and there's so crazy on the dash and i fear that tumblr was listening and was like well she said bring back the porn so clearly she (laughs) wants to see it and i don't know if they know what a joke is um but yeah i feel like softcore porn is part of the experience like if you don't see softcore porn that's what i meant then you're not following the right people But I don't need to see whole. (laughs) I want to see GIFs from like 1930s movies Mm -hmm. of like a very intense makeout session. People romanticize that. Like, that's what I meant. (laughs) That is the type of formative content that I need on my dash. But not an ad that says like, come in my hole, daddy. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Something called boundaries. I mean, you know, we've had our fair share of scares. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but yeah, the platform's gonna get less functional <laughs> in the coming months. I do, I do think this like actually could like be a beginning of the end notice though, because in past years it was like, oh, Tumblr's getting bought out, like they're gonna completely change it. It's gonna go down the drain, and it's like, yeah, it got bought out, but they're not gonna do anything with it. Like they, yeah. I think companies buy tumblr thinking that they can rejuvenate it and then they spend like more than five minutes on the platform (laughs) like what the fuck did we just do yeah so pulling staff feels more like a correct assessment of what's going on on the platform yeah i think it'll just become unusable like there'll be so many bugs that i mean just like a month ago when they had staff there was that dashboard clown that like people couldn't get rid of they really i don't know why like eight years ago they didn't just hire the creator of xkit and put xkit into the platform i have no idea because it drastically improves the experience but i guess it blocks ads so the one thing that they would have to do is be like oh you have to take away the option that deletes the ads like But they're clearly not getting that much ad revenue. Whatever. (laughs) The ads are something else. I actually, at some point, I will post this on our Instagram. Maybe I'll make it like a year-end post. But I screenshot every ridiculous ad I see on Tumblr. And I have (laughs) them all saved on my phone. Um, Because (laughs) if you've been listening for some time, you'll remember the rant about burning tummy fat ads. Yeah. And... They have gotten slightly better since then. They're not like those weird generic um, how to burn tummy fat ads anymore, but they're almost worse now that they're pointed and like actual ads. It's just kind of weird now. Yeah. I still get ball shaving ads. I'm like, please stop this. I don't. Like, I just don't have balls. I really don't. (laughs) That's so funny. Oh, my God. Um, okay, wait, I have two recommendations I want to make before we get into the episode, but I was looking at my screenshots folder to look for the ads, and I have a screenshot that is going to transition perfectly into today's (laughs) topic. So before I share the contents of it, I wanted to make 
not two recommendations three um a newsletter i've been subscribed to it's a Substack called solitary daughter it is a really cool Substack. i found the writer on tiktok they do like weekly roundups of all the cool things that they read and so i saw a slideshow on tiktok that it was like new yorker articles and poems and essays and i was like this is really cool i like seeing someone else curate interesting content for me yeah um and then the writer also put out uh an essay on women in pop that like self-written not just collected and i was like oh i love this so i highly recommend subscribing to solitary daughter um I also have been obsessed with this YouTuber, uh, Nicole Raffi or Rafi. Um, she actually is also from Philly, <laughs> uh, which is kind of funny, but she is a podcast called talk nasty to me. And they are just her and her friend that she goes with. They are just so funny. <laughs> and they have been doing these like several hours long videos where they read Colleen Hoover books and I am just addicted to watching them because I love their sense of humor and I love someone else telling me the contents of a Colleen Hoover book so I can make fun of it. Yeah. <laughs> and then my last one is that my favorite K-pop group put out a new album and I'm really deep in my K-pop phase. Um, it, that is not a phase that it's I've been into. It's ebbed and flowed. It's ebbed and flowed throughout the years. It, it really has. It hit some peaks um, when I, I think it peaked most when I first got into it in high school and I'm really back on it I am really (laughs) back on it but really only for one group (laughs) and so that's the Stray Kids album Rockstar it's only got eight songs on it so it's not a very long listen (laughs) but I was documenting to Carly my experience buying the album which in k-pop is not a vinyl it's a photo album with a cd and like a bunch of collectibles so, I mean, if you all would be interested in hearing me talk about K-pop for an episode, <laughs> I would love the opportunity. We'll, we'll definitely do. I feel like K-pop is a, I mean, I, I get it's like a big genre, but that's a fandom that you're a part of. And then I'll do one for a fandom that I'm a part of that yes. you're not a part of. And we'll have a little switcheroo happening. This is a future plan that we've been talking about for a long time. Of yeah. like, we want to do some fandom deep dives. So maybe I'll put a poll on the Instagram eventually and ask yeah. what fandom they'd like to hear the history of. Yeah. But it has to be one that's relevant to Tumblr. Because that's our main <laughs> primary source. <laughs> They're... Every single fandom has a place on Tumblr. That's like, so true. You can find it if you go looking. I don't recommend going looking, <laughs> but you can. Yeah, we're going to start with the ones that we like. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the the photo I want to share, when I was hanging out with my friend who I was watercoloring with this weekend, we decided we were going to watch The Hunger Games because um, a new Hunger Games movie comes out this week, The Ballad of Songbird and Snakes. And I read the book while I was away in the summer, and I really loved it. It was really well written. Suzanne Collins is an amazing writer, to no surprise. Um, But Finnick came on screen, and my friend was like, I just can't stop seeing him as Billy Dunn from (laughs) Daisy Jones and the Six. And I was like, oh, yeah, I 
I kind of wasn't thinking about, and then I went, have I ever told you I met Sam Claflin? <laughs> and she was like, what? Because my friend and I have known each other since, I don't know, I was 15 and she was 14. And I was like, oh my God, you've never seen the picture of me and Carly with Sam Claflin. <laughs> and she was like, what the absolute fuck are you talking about? Where did you meet him? When did you meet him? So with Carly's permission, I'll post this on like the <laughs> end of a slider. But us with Sam Claflin at the Cherry Hill Mall in 2013. Yeah, I remember that day because, I mean, I remember having a panic attack (laughs) because we were getting pushed up against the barricade. We waited for hours. We showed up at like seven in the morning to stand at this really big mall in South Jersey and... Because basically the context is that the Catching Fire movie had just come out. Or maybe it was Mockingjay Part 1. I actually don't remember. It was Catching Fire. Okay, yeah. And they were doing their press tour. And I don't know why, but they chose this mall (laughs) as a press stop. And so they did like a Q&A. And then people with wristbands got to go up and meet them. But there was also like this mini red carpet thing And so people were standing around, you know, hoping to meet them after the meet and greet was done. And we didn't have meet and greet wristbands. But um, instead of standing over at the little red carpet, Carly and I put our (laughs) our big old brains to use. And we were like, what if we go stand at the other side of the barricade where all their publicists are standing and waiting Mm -hmm. for them? And so we were right at the very front. And then everyone realized we had (laughs) the best idea. And so- yeah. Like hundreds of people were piled up behind us trying to like push forward because when the cast walked off the like Q&A stage, they walked right to us. Yeah, that was crazy. We also met the actress that played Joanna Yes, Beatty. Yes. I don't know either of the actors' names. Jenna Malone is Joanna. And then Um, the actor who played Beatty. I think those were the only three we met. Yeah. There was other cast there, but the fact that we fucking met Sam Claflin and have a photo with him and my friend was like freaking out and I was like, oh wait, just for like an additional layer of how funny this is, um, he's the one holding the phone and taking the picture on my iPod touch. (laughs) He is holding it. (laughs) He took the selfie because my hands were shaking and I couldn't do it. (laughs) And it's such a good picture, honestly. (laughs) He looks so, I, he was so young. Yeah. Like, because I was looking up the cast of the Hunger Games um, during each movie, because I was curious how old Jennifer Lawrence was when they were filming, because I feel like a criticism I often hear is that, like, the cast looked too old for being, like, 16, and she was only 20 or 21. And I was like, that's really (laughs) not, like, that huge no. of a difference and i mean euphoria at, casts like 30 year olds i mean come on but um josh hutcherson during the filming of the first movie was only like 19 yeah. like so and my man's never missed he served <laughs> cunt from day one <laughs> so if it's not obvious the topic today is the hunger games <laughs> yeah oh ty was actually asking me he was like was the hunger games really big on tumblr and i feel like it was big but it wasn't as 
I feel like it wasn't either of our like main fandoms. No. I think because the books and the movies came out like they came I mean they came out separately but Mm -hmm. then it it didn't have it wasn't like a show so there wasn't constant content and it's not like the raven cycle that still people are you know posting every single day I I don't know that that's true I reblog a lot of Hunger Games content these days all right well maybe I follow the tag following the right people I follow Um, the tag honestly the the tags page is like the most functional page of tumblr yeah. mobile now which is kind of insane because it never used to work yeah i guess i don't really remember much like i don't remember consuming a lot of um fan content outside of like mm. gift sets and graphics yeah like i don't I remember ever seeing fair. any like um like head cannons or anything no i mean <laughs> i'm gonna totally put myself on full fucking blast <laughs> um in that 2013 era, um, I actually vividly remember the first time I saw The Hunger Games. I didn't see it right when it came out. Um, I read the books in, I want to say, seventh grade. And then um, I saw the first movie for the first time at one of my friend's houses. And then I saw Catching Fire in theaters, mm-hmm. I think. Um but yeah, I think at the time on Tumblr, it was like, I don't know why the thing that's coming to mind is that it was just overshadowed by the size of the Harry Potter fandom. Probably it was. <laughs> because like there was no space for other book series on Tumblr no. to thrive. And like, I'm sure someone who was a frequent The Hunger Games blogger in 2013 would beg to differ. <laughs> but like, if you were just a general tumblr user that was into some fandom stuff you were either reblogging tv shows that were coming out on like a weekly basis with constant Mm -hmm. new content or you were blogging harry potter like i feel like there was really no in between yeah or it was like (laughs) super who lock (laughs) that was tv shows that were coming out every week though like yeah true true. because i was a supernatural blog we all know this this is not even like new information (laughs) but that was content that was coming out fucking 24 7 yeah true and the hunger games like books are harder to take off because people have to be really dedicated to like reposting blurbs from the book or like scenes from the book but the thing i was gonna put myself on blast about is that one of the very first fan fictions i remember reading was about clove and it wasn't Mm -hmm. a romantic fic it was just the games from her perspective um, she was like my special interest favorite character. <laughs> what she was mentioned hardly at all in the was book. She the one with the knife, the knife. Yes, like she was knives. the knife yeah. thrower from District Two. Love that. <laughs> and I just loved her. I thought she was so cool. And I ended up, I really liked that actress. And I stand by that because she's a horror actress traditionally. She's yeah. in the Orphan. Um, and she's very good at acting. But after the movie. I was like, I like that one. And so mm-hmm. I read fan fiction about her. And the other first fanfic I remember reading was a Josh Hutcherson fan fiction <laughs> on Instagram. And I remember We've all done it. it had hundreds of chapters. But on Instagram, you can't post chapters, especially not when it's 2012. And so people would just post a picture. That was the cover, quote unquote, 
write the fanfic in the caption and then tag it with the title of the fanfic so you could go to that hashtag and read all of them yes and they did the same thing with one direction fanfic yes but what i vividly remember most about this josh hutcherson fanfic i don't remember any of the contents i know that it existed (laughs) because i remember the cover was a pick stitch quad image one was josh hutcherson two were like whatever's and the fourth one was acacia brindley (laughs) and that was the main character i love that that was the original character was acacia brindley face claim to the ages (laughs) she she got face claimed so many times for so many different actors like literally if i were her i would probably be suing somebody like any character that was white woman with brown hair was acacia brindley (laughs) yeah my god But that's what I distinctly remember about how intense I was about the Hunger Games on social media was how much fan fiction there was on Instagram, Mm -hmm. which feels so random. But yeah, I guess at that point, I might not have been on Tumblr yet because I just got the notification recently that my blog turned 10. So I don't think I was really using it a lot like in the year 2013, so by the time I like became active on 2014, the Hunger Games content might just not have been as big. Yeah. Yeah, it might have just been a timing thing. Yeah. Um, I don't but really I, do think I just don't really remember much of the content. Any, like sort of fandom that I interacted with. I mean, I remember the content more than I remember any sort of fandom. Interesting. Yeah. Now that you say it, I guess I don't really remember a ton either. I still follow the Katniss Everdeen tag, which has, well, that's just at, that's just Katniss. Katniss Everdeen has, oh my fucking God, 300,000 followers on that tag. Wow. Which for Tumblr is a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, And these are all recent posts. I, I think a lot of it now is that people are rereading the books. Mm-hmm um especially now with this prequel movie coming out so i think it has had like a nice resurgence online um and i know people are usually very bitter about prequels but i actually really enjoyed this one and i think i mean to me it came off that suzanne collins had always very much intended to write this story Mm -hmm. or at least that she had it in mind because there is nothing that doesn't align with the original text and that doesn't fit so well into the canon and it gives context to the character and so I thought what might be fun today in lieu of how many responses I've seen to like this new book but also the books over time we could just go through some of my favorite discourses (laughs) yeah about the Hunger Games I mean, you you reread them recently. I haven't reread yes. them. I don't remember what year I read them in, but it was a while ago. So my most recent knowledge is from re- like watching the movies, which I've probably done in the last year. So we did it. Oh my god, do you remember we rewatched the whole series when I was at your house a couple summers ago? Yeah, yeah. So that was. I think I've rewatched them again since then, but my knowledge is mainly based on the. Um, the movies because I just it's been a while the thing is my hot take is that the movies are very accurate to the books yeah there is they were I very was... good I mean Jennifer Lawrence is amazing so and Josh 
<laughs> but um, really that whole cast is pretty incredible. Um, I think that's, isn't it so crazy? That's where like Amanda Senberg got their start. Yeah. Wow. I guess I feel like people criticize the movies more so for how they were received by the general public uh-huh. and how they were capitalized off of and commercialized like the capital themed makeup palettes and the team gale team pita thing um but i feel like that's just kind of natural that's what's going to happen to any big franchise yeah so. i share that opinion i feel like that's just that's hollywood and yeah. if you're an author who's written like a fantastic book series that's super analytical and super critical and a studio a giant studio offers to pick up your movie and share that story the only caveat yeah. is that it has to be a little bit hypocritical and that it's yeah. criticizing capitalism and also playing into it like that's just the system yeah and i actually think it kind of is like a fun irony and yeah. like you guys saw this movie and you still want capital makeup balance (laughs) yeah yeah i i don't think it's like it takes away at all from the story i think even if you haven't read the books like of course there's details in the books that can't be replicated in the movie and there was some things lost but overall i'm like if you just seen the movies you probably get a pretty good idea of the story and the themes that are in the books i mean yeah and i was just so i was having this exact conversation with my friend on Saturday when we were watching Catching Fire and I was kind of going through mentally having recently reread the books and recently watched all the movies oh my god we watched them like six months ago at my house also when they were on Netflix (laughs) we watched them a lot they're Um, good yeah they are um in terms of at least the first movie and the first book I I air to say that there's very very little cut out like as far as I remember there's maybe one scene that I felt was critical that wasn't included but in terms of telling the story on a screen it wasn't like entirely crucial it was a really nice detail in the book that deepened the value of the characters but like that is also what a book is for yeah (laughs) people will always be mad that at any sort of adaption that it's not it's not true to the original like this happened yeah. with the last of us because they changed things yeah. um and it just it comes with the territory and i i don't care <laughs> yeah i think the scene in particular that i would have wanted to see included in the first movie that i kind of wonder if it might have made like a director's cut or something is um they include the flashback where Peter throws Katniss the bread that like saves her life and then she feels indebted to him and that's like the basis yeah. of their their relationship um in the first book but there's a following scene in the book where the next day or sometime after she goes to school and she's waiting for Prim and Peta walks out and she looks at him and he looks at her. And then they both look at this dandelion coming up out of the concrete. And that is like the last time they interact before the reaping. And that dandelion scene is kind of um, considered really core to their story because mm. it's 
the moment that PETA knows he likes Katniss and it's the moment Mm -hmm. that Katniss feels like forever indebted to him because she feels like he gave her the opportunity to live Mm -hmm. um and yeah I just that scene is really big for understanding their relationship in the books but in terms of the movie like it probably wouldn't have conveyed all that great on screen um and I feel like their relationship is already pretty solid on screen yeah um that does bring me to one of the discourses that I often see which is that um the book should not have had a romance plot um and I just so disagree I hate that argument because I feel like that argument gets made about a lot of like movies books tv like you know I get it I get that you know romance is a really popular genre and it might get tiring to some people I'm not tired of it guess what love happens in real life (laughs) like well also I think in this book and this might be me just like truly showing how ridiculously dedicated of a Hunger Games fan I am um to the fact that I will truly rationalize anything Suzanne Collins does (laughs) um but to me at least in my reread. It definitely didn't read this way to me when I was 13, when I was like, oh my God, seen PETA. Um, <laughs> but in my recent reread, I actually think it's quite heartwarming because it's like, even in the bleakest of worlds, which yeah. actually very closely reflects our current world, yeah, people still find love and people still find the energy to fall in love with one another. And yeah. people can still truly know each other through all of the barriers of class because that's a big part of Katniss and Peta's relationship is the class difference but um yeah I think some people miss out on the fact that I guess you know what because of the movies because that dandelion scene isn't included when he goes up on stage and he says I just have this crush on a girl and she's never gonna know because she came here with me people thought he was doing that as an act it was legitimately the truth Mm -hmm. like the context that scene is that Peta didn't make that up he actually has had a crush on her for years yeah I feel like that was a big point of confusion like yes now like many years from reading the books it's like you know what was Katniss really in love with Peta that was like a a question when just because it doesn't just because it doesn't like portray itself as a romance story doesn't mean that there can't still be romance and love well right and I think Katniss and Peta's relationship actually really helps the story along because yeah she yeah the whole I think people's argument is often that like well Katniss is a strong female character like she should just be fighting for her family not fighting for this boy and it's like reasoning okay in the first book I would not say that throughout the like beginning of the games that she is in love with him I wouldn't say that at all but they do have like a bond and they feel indebted Mm -hmm. to each other in a way and so fighting for someone to live just because you think they deserve to live like is that not in some way a form of love like yeah it's like I could kill anyone here but I can't kill you like that even if it means putting myself in danger like that's love (laughs) sorry to break it to you guys but that is what happens when you have a beating heart (laughs) and you use it (laughs) yeah and like I mean 
Katniss can be a strong woman and also be in love. This is not a new concept. <laughs> like this is it really is not new. Truly, it is groundbreaking to Tumblr users though that you can have a female character who can be interesting, dynamic, have a personality, and also have a love interest. Yeah. <laughs> because the Tumblrinas are like, well, if she was really a strong female character, you wouldn't force a love plot down her throat. And it's like, have you not realized that real people in real life fall in love <laughs> in hard times as well? <laughs> like, Yeah, that's wild. But I think some of that criticism definitely does come from the way that the series was sold when it became a movie. Yeah. And my friend that was hanging out with Abby made this really amazing point that um, it was kind of just when it came out is the reason that that happened because it came out right on the heels of twilight yeah and the it was definitely reminiscent of the twilight team edward and jacob exactly it was like dark-haired bad boy versus light-haired clear option who's in love with you and the like struggle between them and the class difference of it all like it was very similar and So I don't think it's surprising that whoever at that studio was in charge of marketing was like, guys, <laughs> we have got a great opportunity on our hands. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, was it like, I don't want to say lazy marketing tactic to just focus only on the romance, maybe, <laughs> but I mean, that's the what the marketing time, team is for. So right? like can't you needed them. to make it money if you wanted to keep telling the story. And so I do think it was more of a net positive that the movie yeah. got attention because it is a really radical story. And mm-hmm. I think for a lot of us who read it in like middle school and early high school, it really was kind of one of, if not the first thing that I read that made me think like, oh, I I can see what this is talking about in my country. Like, I understand the metaphor here, like, entirely. It's very, it's very thin metaphor. Like, she doesn't need to make much up. (laughs) Yeah. Um... And I, I think a lot of people point to it as, like, the first thing that radicalized them, like, as a young Mm -hmm. adult. Um, and I think that's really cool. So I don't think the romance hinders it at all um okay so another piece of discourse this relates to the prequel but it really i think relates to the whole series um some people are taking issue with the fact that the prequel being about president snow in his youth they think it's wrong that suzanne collins painted him as a morally gray character at 17 that's stupid because like they're like well he's clearly evil like he is the the like operator of oppression in the first series why would you make me try to feel sympathetic toward him or like make it seem like he's not inherently evil and i was like fucking hot take guys people aren't inherently evil (laughs) yeah and that would make for a really boring character (laughs) right like i just i don't know how you can read the hunger games and then expect suzanne collins to write something like here's a prequel where he's born like wearing a black cape and fangs and he's always been evil from the start like no he makes a string of decisions yeah that nobody is evil him from in- the start right and it's a far more interesting story to watch a character make a bunch of small decisions to protect themselves 
and out of kind of a rogue form of sympathy for another character that ends up hardening them in the end to the point where they're like, this is not like going to be a heavy spoiler, but basically throughout the book, um, Coriolanus Snow fights with this internal of like, should I help my tribute or should I like, should I help my tribute because I want her to live or should I do all these things so that I get the credit for it? Mm -hmm. And like it, it paints this picture of the capital citizens also as victims of the, Mm -hmm. the district war, um, which I think a lot of people take issue with because they're like, well, those are the people that, end up fine like those are the people of the oppressor it very much mimics other wars where like people pity the the people who are living in the country run by the oppressor but it's like have we thought mayhaps that (laughs) the capital government starving the capital people was also bad (laughs) yeah i just think it's a really strange take to have to like I feel like I don't know if you've seen this take specific specifically on Tumblr but I feel like most people are interested in stories with complex characters like that's yeah. not very <laughs> radical of a, no of a thing definitely widely agreed upon <laughs> but as soon as that complex character like ends up you know making the wrong choices to mm-hmm. become a bad person then all of a sudden we're, we're not cool with it anymore like we, we just want them to be complex but still good yeah. when that's just like you know if you want to divide people into good and bad there are a lot of bad people in the world and like maybe we should hear those stories and like <laughs> realize that that can happen that you can become a bad person and not be born evil like yeah no, no fascist dictator was born a fascist dictator yeah like it's just it's also did you want her to write a fiction novel where it's so clear-cut and like just affirming everything you believed from the original series like that would be boring there would be no point in writing that book yeah of like oh and by the way he was also a horrible person already when he was 17 like he was born with no soul <laughs> and it's far more interesting to see a story where even the worst character was originally someone who was trying to do something right by their family. Because that really is the crux of the story is that Coriolanus is trying to save his family from losing the house that they have in the capital and from losing their status. And like, they're literally starving because they have no Mm -hmm. food left after the war because they have no money. And they're like barely holding on and everything he does is in an attempt to save his family from falling Mm -hmm. to shame which obviously is different than what Katniss says she's saving her family from starving to death but like his concept of losing their status versus hers of losing their dinner like in their minds as characters those are no different yeah and I just people don't like to see themselves reflected in a character that they know will end bad yeah because then they have to confront their own morality and realize that they too could end up a bad person (laughs) in the right circumstances. Um, So yeah, that's a discourse I don't like and I disagree with. And um, 
I have one more that's really important to me and then one that's kind of complicated. So I think we'll just do one. Um, My absolute fucking least favorite theory about the Hunger Games, which is apparently really popular on TikTok, which should be no surprising because unfortunately <laughs> TikTok fans generally have no nuance or like yeah. concept of the point of the canon. Um, Sorry to any TikTok Hunger Games fans listening, <laughs> but that is kind of the vibe on tiktok yeah um there is a theory that at the first reaping that starts the series that prim's name was the only name in the bowl that no matter what piece of paper effie trinket chose it was going to be prim and the the kind of basis of this is that there's a story in the book that actually isn't in the movie, I think, um, where Katniss, when she's younger, sees two people running away um, in the forest mm-hmm. and sees that. them get caught by the Capitol. And then when she goes to the Capitol for the games, she recognizes one of the A-boxes, which are the people who have had their tongues cut out for like war crimes, basically. Um, he is serving her in the Capitol and she recognizes him. And people theorize that um, the Capitol knew that she saw it and they knew that she was hunting in the forest, which I'm sure to some degree is true that they had surveillance on that, right? Mm -hmm. But they were like, oh, because they knew she was hunting in the forest, they knew she saw that capture happen she's a rebel so we need to take her out so instead of reaping her and making it obvious we're going to reap her sister knowing that she'd volunteer and then we're going to take her into the games and have her die and i just i just think it's it's drawing conclusions that do not need to be drawn it's also antithetical to the story yeah which is that katniss very much throughout the first book and honestly second and third most of the way is very adamant that she had no intention of rebelling against the capital ever yeah like that she was resentful of her situation but she never thought about like what could i personally do about that like that was never her intention and she didn't volunteer for prim to stick it to the capital she did it to yeah. save her 12 year old sister and yeah. That whole thing of Grim getting reaped, it, it just feels strange for people to be like, oh, it was her, her name was the only name in the bowl. Like, that's the only way this could have happened. And when in actuality, the symbol that is being made there is that Katniss's name is in the bowl like 14 or 15 times. It's like in there a mm-hmm. lot because she's taken out extra food rations that for every one you take out your name gets added to the bowl again but prim is only 12 and she didn't take out the extra rations, so her name is only in the bowl once Mm -hmm. so the odds of it being her are so incredibly low but that's the point is that even when your odds are the very best you are still a victim of the capital you are still at risk of this happening and they don't care if it's an innocent 12 year old they don't care if your name's only in the bowl once it could be you and that is the fear that they use to keep the districts in line is that i honestly 
Prim getting reaped is like ideal for them, right? Like yeah. a 12 year old girl with one name in the bowl, like that says everything. And yeah. so Katniss volunteering for her was like not their fucking intention. Like, yeah, I guess never... it doesn't really make sense to say that, oh, it would be so much more evil if the Capitol only had Prim's name in the bowl because then it would be targeted. And it's like, well, isn't it still evil that right. she was picked just by chance? And I think a lot of the point of this series is that um, Katniss is just a regular person in the districts who just wants to survive. And like there are points in the first book where she says had she not been reaped, eventually she probably would have like grown up and had children with Gail. Like that's yeah. just kind of the future she's accepted is that like I'll just live in District 12 forever like my family has. And mm -hmm. she's never had plans of running away, even though there are scenes in the book where she and Gail are in the woods and he's like, what if we just ran away? And she's like, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> like, yeah, it's very clear through her internal narrative in the book that rebellion is not even a, a, on her mind. And yeah. even when she lays Rue to rest and when she does the thing with the berries, it it's arguably i would say i lean toward the side if she wasn't doing those things for rebellion either she was doing them because yeah. they felt like the right thing to do and i think that's more the point of her character is that this is just a person trying to do the right things and that is a threat to a system that wants people yeah. to suffer yeah and the reason she's dangerous is not because she's this like carefully calculated rebel it's because she's a normal person that other people feel connected to and inspired by for yeah. showing compassion in the face of adversity so yeah. i don't know the whole prim name is the only name in the bowl to me has this like domino effect that i feel like negates a lot of the lessons that yeah. susan collins is like putting forward with these books of like it could be anyone that's how they keep you down you don't have to be a rebel to inspire other people you just have to have empathy and yeah. that will be enough yeah i guess like everything that the capital does is drawn from real life and what real systems mm -hmm. do so i i get that like the whole prim's name is the only one in the bold it feels a little bit too like too out there and i mm -hmm. get the appeal of that of it's like this kind of really calculated you know move that you know leads to these all these series of events and it mm -hmm. all crumbles um but it really is just a little bit more simple and yeah. some people might find that boring, but that's just, like, real life. And I also think it's a far more interesting story to have it yeah. be a random occurrence that topples this 75-year yeah. history. Um, because, like I said, like, throughout the book, she makes it very clear that this was never her intention. That, like, yeah. she never wanted to be the face of rebellion she never wanted to do anything but save her sister. She barely even wanted to win the games. <laughs> like, yeah. But, like, th of course, then there's the whole thing about the berries of did the capital plan for that to happen? It's just, <laughs> I, I really, this is one of the few instances where I actually am not very compelled by theories about the canon. <laughs> I think yeah. I often love, like, additional fan content on the canon of what do you guys think like do you think this is what this means 
like I love people who dig into the meaning and to the implications mm-hmm. of the text, but coming up with alternate theories as to why the story exists in the first place feels like yeah. What if you just dug into the story that's there? <laughs> like, yeah. Discounting some of the decisions Suzanne Collins made yeah. very intentionally. I think yeah, maybe that's what it is for me is that like upon my reread, it feels very obvious why she made every decision and so these like kind of wilder conspiracy theories i'm like but she really kind of spells out exactly the purpose of each choice so i feel like it's strange to be like well what if she didn't really mean it and it's like "Mm -hmm." (laughs) it makes it pretty clear that she means it yeah like i don't know when i was rereading I remember when I was younger thinking like this book was so crazy and it was so intense. I read the whole series in like a week. This time around, I read the whole series in like four days. But <laughs> um, reading it as an adult, I was like, wow, this is so fucking blatantly obvious. Like mm-hmm. it is so one-to-one clear yeah. what she is making an analogy for in, yeah. every, then- <laughs> in every symbol. And then every young adult author tried to copy it and failed so miserably. So badly because they didn't have any of the passion behind it. They were like, oh, dystopians in. Like, yeah, I think it's so, well, it's, I don't know if cool is the right word. It's so interesting how Susan Collins says that she came up with the the idea for the Hunger Games, which is that um, in the early 2000s when she was, before she wrote the books obviously she was flipping through tv channels and the channels were alternating between um like very clearly scripted reality tv and videos of the war in afghanistan and she likens it to like of she was like these are the same thing to american people like they are both a form of entertainment war propaganda is as much entertainment as reality tv like that's not how she said it i'm very much paraphrasing from what i remember of that interview but that was the the experience of like these two things are televised in the exact same way here because we are totally numb to a war as long as we're not the one fighting it like like we physically in our homes (laughs) Mm -hmm. so very interesting very relevant and i truly think more people should read this book because yeah so I mean I definitely to want to reread it because I feel like it's maybe something that a lot of us read as preteens and maybe need to reread as teenage or as adults or teenagers yeah I think it just you get a lot out of it as an adult because you can recognize all the things that didn't fully click when you were younger yeah. and all those like oh my god what does this mean like when you're adult you're like "Mm, I get it (laughs) like yeah I got it right here (laughs) yeah and there's so much fanfic out there so if you have reread them and need more and you haven't already read the prequel read the prequel and also there's so much fanfiction and I found a really fun one to end out our episode um I I found this earlier today and I've been cracking up laughing at this crazy um Everlark fanfiction called Everlark for the Holidays by user Tabby Cat Librarian on AO3. I think that 
this person should become a comedy writer they aren't one already they also (laughs) I didn't pick any I didn't um read really in depth or I'm I'm not going to talk about um the one of the other fan fictions they wrote which is um (laughs) the hunger games if they had if all the characters had um competent parents (laughs) And it's just like a lot of like the major plot lines just like ending, you know, on a, on a resolved, you know, stance. It's it's so funny. I'll I'll send you some later, and maybe we'll post some to the Instagram. Were there um, like good fan fictions? Were there a wealth of fanfics that actually seemed interesting for the Hunger Games? Well, if you are looking for the Hunger Games fan fiction, I would exclude crossovers because mm. there are every single fandom that you could think of including bts including glee have some sort of hunger games au where they're the ones that are reaped into the hunger games that is so funny to me because now in my mind i'm just picturing bts all in the hunger games and like it's just too much i just think you know why glee i don't know why glee that is the real question are they gonna have musical numbers <laughs> when they fight? I didn't I did not get that far into it. I was like, well, it was basically just word for word the same like as the Hunger Games, like the first but just book. replaced with the Glee characters. Yeah, like it was thing. it was the same dialogue. Like I remember the dialogue mm. specifically being the exact same. Um but so yeah, I would exclude crossovers. Excuse me. <laughs> I knocked over one of the many items on my desk. But this one that I found is a, it has a lot of our favorite tropes, which good. is um, roommates, uh, forced proximity. You know, there's a, there's a good snowstorm happening. Oh, um, man. And then fake dating because they have to go to a holiday party together. And let um, me guess, is there only one bed? <laughs> no, but there is. A room that has a Kama Sutra mur- mural on it um, that he has to stay in. <laughs> it's wild. This fanfic is that's such a good detail. <laughs> um, yeah. So we're gonna play a little game: two truths and a lie. Things that happen in this fanfic. Um, I'm excited, and I don't think I'm you so excited. get them right. <laughs> okay, so first we have. PETA is a crown prince who fled from a volcano eruption. Um, <laughs> second, we have Katniss's family made a fortune off ASMR videos. <laughs> and third, we have Rue is related to Rihanna. All of these things. <laughs> well, one of them Wait, is a lie. Okay, but two of them are true. things are the same, <laughs> yes. the same story. Oh, I forgot to mention. So this fanfic is inspired by um, Lifetime and Hallmark movies. So that might okay. explain some of Okay, the- okay, okay. <laughs> I was going to say the royal thing escaping a volcano feels very distant from family rich off ASMR. <laughs> but I'm seeing it in my head. I'm very much seeing that Netflix movie about the princess and the baking competition. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, uh, you know, small town, undercover. Yes, yes um, those things are all true. For this okay, I think I'm going to go with Katniss's family making money off ASMR. That is the false one. So you're right. Yes! But another another character's family did make a fortune <laughs> off ASMR videos. 
so not entirely <laughs> false like it would have it's funnier that you didn't even have to make up that detail <laughs> it's just a different character because <laughs> i'm sitting here thinking like you just came up with this on the fly <laughs> okay so actually Rue is all of the false to Rihanna. That's so funny. Rue is also <laughs> in this fic, Rue is also related to a Kardashian. They didn't specify which one. And Beyonce. Oh, great. Okay. Does it really make sense that she's related to all of them and they're not related to each other? But <laughs> that's oh, insignificant detail. <laughs> all right. Next, our next set is Peta's uncle is King LeBron James. Oh my god. Um Peta studied culinary arts under Gordon Ramsay, and Kato and Rue are in a happy relationship. Oh, God. I don't know which one of these is funnier. <laughs> the the studying cooking under Gordon Ramsay, that one feels correct, because that one feels very much like if I am going to create a crazy <laughs> AU of the Hunger Games, Peta must still be a baker, and <laughs> who is the most logical character to bring in but Gordon Ramsay? Now, I'm I'm on the fence of King LeBron James and Kato and Rue <laughs> because I think I'm just I'm trying to imagine which one would be harder for you to make up because King LeBron James is so specific, <laughs> and you said that previously one of the true ones is that Peta was in a royal family that fell fled a volcanic eruption he was the only one that fled the volcano but yes he's okay. the crown prince of his royal family okay and he's just related to king lebron james that's not his father <laughs> no Peter's uncle is king lebron james. oh his uncle okay <laughs> so we're going very Macbeth here no. <laughs> um okay i'm gonna say it's that one correct Katniss's uncle is actually King LeBron James. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> yeah, so she ends up... I Okay, so I read most. So there's only... There's Kato 20 and Rue are in a relationship. <laughs> yes. That one threw me for a loop. That Doesn't one. Kato literally kill her in the books? I don't think it's Kato that goes... But, like, it doesn't make any more sense. Um, but, yeah, I found... I There's 20 chapters out. I found at like chapter 12 that Katniss is also a princess and her uncle is King LeBron James. That's so fucking funny. <laughs> King LeBron but, James. But it's great. Like it'll it'll all work out for them because he needs to marry a princess. <laughs> is okay. You don't have to answer this if this will spoil the next one, but does Katniss know she's a princess? Yes. Okay. But she doesn't tell Peta until much later. Oh. Um, because he ends up being her roommate. Um, it's I'll, I'm gonna send this to you after and yeah, you should read it. <laughs> absolutely. All right. And so the next one I have four, and they're all quotes from mm. this fanfic. And you have to guess which one was not said by Cadmus. Okay. 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 So they're all out of context. So just yeah, absolutely. they're not going to make much sense. Even if there are no ghosts, I'll pass on moving into a place that looks like the go back cart at Target between seasons. <laughs> <And> we have. 
I'd rather hear from my Moldovan mail-order bride needing funds. <laughs> we have... Gail was gross. The toilet floor was sticky and his room was funky. So he slept with someone less picky. They can bond over their shared foot fungus. You can tell this person hates Gail. <laughs> and then we have, I have fuzzy sweaters from Forever Asian and that last longer than your relationships. I know you're alone. Let me in, you hag. You hag. <laughs> okay. That one feels like something Katniss would say in this scenario. <laughs> and I do feel like she's saying it to Gail, making a point about short relationships. Um, okay. The target section, knowing that it's a roommate AU, they have to move in somewhere together. So I feel like that one would make sense. Um, The one about... Gail's bathroom is so strange. <laughs> what was the second one? I'd rather hear from my Moldovan mail order oh. bride needing funds. Right, right. Absolutely. Um, God, that's tough. Because none of them make any fucking sense whatsoever. <laughs> um, I... I don't know. Something about the Moldovan mail order bride is calling to me. Okay. Well, she did say that one. The one she didn't say was the I have fuzzy sweaters from Forever H&M, which I love that they just, they didn't do Forever 21 <laughs> or H&M. They just combined them Forever H&M. Top of um, infringement, bro. <laughs> yeah. I lost. So that one was actually screamed to Katniss by an original character named Lime. <laughs> Spelled like Lyme's disease, which I had to ask Tori about if that was an actual character from the book that I was forgetting. But I'm pretty sure it's an OC. So funny that they felt the need to include an original character in this already outlandish ass story. And they they could have just chosen like I don't think Clove is in this. They should have just made they could it Clove. Have chosen anyone, <laughs> but they made up Lyme. <laughs> Yeah, and it was spelled like Lyme's disease. Like it wasn't even Lyme, like the fruit. Like, and she plays this like crazy like ex roommate that's like out to get Katniss. Also, uh, some other fun details. Peta has a man bun. <laughs> I love. You're fucking kidding. <laughs> yeah, there's also this crazy line that I I didn't even put in with the the last one because. <laughs> It really, it really made no sense. Um, but <laughs> I'm not even, I'm not even gonna get into it. It's a crazy fic, and I think everybody should go read it. It's called Everlark for the Holidays. You know, um, sometimes crack fic is so important because what do you mean you're writing a royal roommate confined <laughs> space? <at> you, <laughs> yeah, and also like they, like everybody in the fanfic is rich like Rue's yeah. family is rich Katniss's family is rich and also well, a royal. it's a royals AU but it's also but like, present why... day LeBron James is a but king like, like and why does Rue need to be related to Rihanna Beyonce and the Kardashian <laughs> like why can't we just pick one also Kato's family owns um, Michael's Hobby Lobby and Joanne Fabrics <laughs> That's an amazing detail. That is an amazing detail. Yeah, I think so whose family, family got rich off ASMR? That was Lime. 
<laughs> Hi, I'm Lime. I'm the heir to the ASMR fortune. <laughs> Should we title this episode Lime, heir to the ASMR fortune? <laughs> Yes. No, that'd be no one would know what it means to click on it. <laughs> yeah, you have to make it through the whole episode to understand. Yeah, you get it in the last two minutes. Yeah, I look. I'm just look. I'm just scrolling through it right now to see if anything catches my eye. And there's a line that says, "Lime is on the loose." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I gotta read this. Um, on the note of this game, which was so fun. Um, Carly and I are always looking to play more games on the podcast because we mm-hmm. think it's so fun. It makes our episode really easy to get through if we know we get yeah. to be silly. Um, <laughs> so Carly sent me a post on Tumblr with some potential games that people pitch for just playing with your friends, but I yeah. think they'd be great on this podcast. Um, so let us know if you want more games on the episodes or maybe game episodes that are just games so we're not mm-hmm. doing a lot of things in one um but you know next year because we are nearing the end of 2023 next year we are hoping that at some point we will do more frequent episodes i won't make mm-hmm. any promises whatsoever <laughs> but we want to give y'all all the content yeah. because we have so many ideas stacked yeah um but especially with fandom deep dives i mean that's infinite yeah but games really are fun and yeah there was ao3 games because yeah if you you read fanfic you know that what's out there is enough content for an entire podcast on its own you truly ao3 has Things that are far better than anyone could ever make up in yeah. an attempt to make fun of fan fiction. Yeah. You could come up with the most batshit insane thing and you would never, ever, ever guess Hunger Games Royal AU King LeBron James. <laughs> <laughs> no. Like those, that phrase makes no sense. And I think that's a good thing. I think sometimes yeah. we need things that make absolutely no sense, especially in relation to such a serious impactful well-written <laughs> book series you have to have your silly moments you just exactly. have to have them exactly i wholeheartedly agree i also i do love that Peta fled from a volcano eruption like <laughs> perfect no notes and then studied under gordon ramsay <laughs> oh lime that's that character's in my heart yeah. <laughs> right thank you so much for listening we are so excited to have you here and hope you tune in again next time in the meantime you could follow us on social media our instagram is at x pod and we of course have a tumblr you can find us there at xpodcastgirls.tumblr.com kindly ask if you're enjoying the pod to give us a rate or review on spotify or apple podcasts it helps us connect with the rest of the world's x tumblr girls come join be our bestie we will see you next week Bye. Bye.